Good evening, everybody. Good evening. It's good to have you here. It's January 19th, 2023, a Thursday night. And I'm just um, always amazed at the speed with which the the week just runs by. After tonight's show, we will set our sights on Friday and then the weekend. And uh, it's another good week of work. Another good one. It really is. And I'm, I'm excited to be doing this one tonight. We have a good friend that has come back to the studio to talk about nutrition tonight. That's Jay Gulinello. And, it, I mean, we're going to start with Davos because, you know, it's, it's a catastrophe summit. It's a catastrophe summit. They get together to talk about all the catastrophes coming our way and how they're the only ones with the power to stop it. And we they need our money and they need our genetics and they need our compliance and they need our souls. And then they will make the earth a better place once we are a, uh, once we're a captive, a captive being some kind of a, a, a resident residue pre post-human residue on whatever kind of computer system reality virtual reality they're trying to roll out that's what they want we're just going to be little residue of a once human world that's what davos is all about so we're going to look into that we're going to talk about a bunch of things do a little bit of nutritional myth busting take your calls and your super chats and all your questions like we do all the time and i mean you can fill up an entire interesting show just with those alone but uh it, it should be another really good night and i want to thank my sponsors tonight secretnaturecbd.com good night to sit back relax especially if it's raining by you like it is by us sit back relax and just let the CBD, the full spectrum CBD, in any form that you please. Me, I like to have a little smoke on the back porch every once in a while and, uh, and put it all behind me. That's a good way to do it. But you do you. Tincture, a gummy, whatever it is. Get your nervous system ready for a nice cast off into dreamland. SecretNatureCBD.com. Promo code FRANKLY. Get 20% off. Go check them out. They're really great. Uh, sponsors, reliable sponsors, and, and good, good people on a 20-year-long journey into organic cannabis cultivation. So, um, I also want to say tomorrow. Remember, tomorrow we have a, another guest coming in or coming on the show, Marjorie Wildcraft of the Grow Network. We'll be talking about food survival mentality, growing food, things that uh, you know, little life hacks when it comes to growing food and being uh, having your own little sustainable system that allows you some kind of independence from a you know obviously a, a much larger picture that's being um, burned to the ground and in the second half of tomorrow's show Norbin Laden is going to be calling in from her side of the pond in Europe it's going to be very late very early in the morning when she calls in but she's excited to do it i'm excited to have her so that'll be nice and if matt is here tomorrow we'll see so uh next week got great stuff's planned jay dyer will be on i heard jay dyer on uh on with clyde lewis last night uh, ground zero i was just listening to that a little bit and all of a sudden 
you know, I can I can hear Clyde building up to, you know, who the guest is that night and talking about some spooky stuff, Luciferian take over the world and and I love that. I love when the topics are like that and boom, Jay Dyer. Jay Dyer, welcome to the show. Like, oh hell yeah. I know that guy. I know a lot of the people that are on Clyde's show these days. A lot of fun. So it's good to hear a friend up there. Uh, he'll be on next week, and uh, I have to, a few other things I have to iron out. But Book Club has been going great. I I urge you all to become sponsors of the show and get in on Book Club. And if you are if you, you feel like it's too late for this one, which it's not, it's a very quick read, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, If uh, I would definitely become a sponsor at any level because then you get all of the exclusive links to Sunday streams and also to... Uh, specialty broadcasts that are private like book club jay dyer brave new world march and then i don't know who i'm going to be doing it with over the summer i might just do it by myself but we're going to definitely do alexi de tocqueville's democracy in america and then in the fall going into next winter we'll be doing mario puzo's the godfather the original the og what the, mu- what the movie was based on. So uh, it's, it's going to be another great... If you stick with me, you'll at least have read four books this year. And that's four more than many of you have last year. So th- that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a good influence on you and me. Because if I do this for you, it lies a fire on my, under my ass to get the books read. So we're all winning on this one. All right. Uh, let's jump into... This grant now I I've, I have evolving thoughts on the Stephen Crowder thing now that uh, Jeremy Boring put out a hour long breakdown of this initial offering that they sent to Crowder and I don't know what I'm going to talk about it I'm just gonna I just want to sift all through it a little bit more and 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 do it on a night where we can stretch it out a bit I don't know may, maybe tomorrow in the opening or or Monday in the opening maybe Monday. But I've got some evolving thoughts on on all of that stuff, and I want to ask you, the audience, your opinions on that stuff, because it's um, it made for good talk a couple of days ago on the show, and there's just too many big, big topics coming up for the next couple of episodes that there's going to be no way to let all of this, all of this uh, happen at the same time. So I got to find some good time for it. In the weekend, we'll see, we'll see what evolves. Uh, but I do have a really interesting announcement. Uh, a, a, a station general manager at a smaller station in Pennsylvania got in touch with me. Uh, Rob, apparently, uh, his name is uh, his Ro- his name is Rob, and he sent me all this information. I had forgotten that I was being syndicated somewhere in Pennsylvania, a small place, but they just got their signal jacked up to like a a a proper FM frequency. So listen to this. And this is the only terrestrial radio syndication of this show in the entire country. Nights of broadcast every morning, early morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The slot time is 3.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. The call letters and frequency WHYU-FM 89.1, and this is covers Western Pennsylvania, Western Maryland, and portions of West Virginia. It's a tri-state area. 
Total population of reception, I asked about this, is about 425,000 potential. Obviously, they're not going and, to... And he said that, you know, most people who are listening are early risers, whether they be, you know, delivery drivers or farmers, etc. out there. So all I want to do, because I know this is a very specialized, small little area, which I think is just so cozy in itself. If you listen to this show regularly on 89.1... WHYU, please email the show. That would be such a thrill if there is one person that responds to this because this is the only radio station that we're on, and that is just so damn cool. Uh, I just, I, I, I just want to pay a little special attention to you. But um, in other news, Bob Barker was trending last night, and I was like, "What the hell is this about?" I thought he was dead already, and he didn't die. Apparently, that's number one. So he didn't die, and he didn't die last night either. I don't even know why he was trending, to be honest, because then I immediately just had to go and look up all of his information. What was he born? What was going on there? And Bob Barker turns 100 years old this coming December, 2023. Bob Barker is going to be 100 years old, Jay. Yeah. So so that's, uh, imagine that. So if you are, if you're keeping track, there's one of them. There's one of them. Probably has not. He probably has not gotten certain medical things happen to him, or or he would not have made it this far. But let's see. Uh, Outkick. Little follow up to last night's opening. Oh, there's Jay. Let's get him out of there for a second. Ivan Provorov, jersey for the Philadelphia Flyers, sells out after media crucifies him for not wearing a pride themed jersey. Sells out. Oh, great. Uh, so, I i mean, listen, I don't watch hockey. I wanted to get one of those just because I love when somebody shows some balls. I don't even care what the hell it is. I mean, anybody t- makes you kneel for any other, for any reason and, 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 and takes your right to be yourself out of the, the equation. Um, I love it. I love it. And he did, he did so with such stoic resolve. Good for him. Now, here's another thing that I think is absolutely hilarious from the the Supreme Court of the United States. Supreme Court investigators fail to identify. Now, it is a failure. Who leaked the Dobbs decision? That is the decision that we knew was coming down the pike about Roe versus Wade being negated, thrown away like it should have been done decades ago. Just like Las Vegas... The, the biggest mass shooting in history, they have said, even though now the field, uh, the scope of who could have done it and by what means is infinitely smaller and so much more. I, I mean, I, to think they're declaring that they may never know who did this now. So you want to talk about inside job? Oh, my God. The Supreme Court has not been able to determine who leaked the draft of Justice Samuel Alito's opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, the court said on Thursday. The unprecedented leak last May revealed that the court was privately poised to overturn the court's landmark decisions establishing a constitutional right to an abortion. It did not establish a constitutional right to an abortion. It was just an opinion, and we're idiots. The court indicated... On Thursday, that investigators would continue to review some additional evidence, but the court two-page statement left open the possibility that the source of the leak may never be found. What horse shit. Uh, it, it's, I just put this one 
up on the ledger. So the Supreme Court, you have to imagine, it's from the nays. That would include uh, uh, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, that mole-faced prick. You have to imagine that it was somebody from the nay side of things, and they're being protected. That's just pretty much it. They're being protected. They wanted to get the entire country up in a tizzy. They wanted to make sure that there was maximum pressure so that there could be something. People said, well, it can go both ways, Frank. They could be putting maximum pressure uh, to make sure that all of the majority votes that were going to overturn this stayed where they were, or it could be maximum pressure to to, uh, make sure that one or two conservatives back off and allow it to stand. But let's just think about the logic of that a little bit. What is the likelihood that there is going to be any danger posed to conservative justices who join with liberals? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of hemming and hawing, a lot of protesting, a lot of upset people who are going to very politely give you their opinion. But who are the only people who really pose a threat at doing bodily damage to you if you don't do what they want? Okay, so there, there, there you have it. There you have it. Inside job, covered up again. You're never going to know who it is. If you don't pay a parking ticket, they'll find you in fucking Antarctica, though. If you don't pay your parking ticket, you don't pay your taxes, they will hunt you down. They will find you by drone and infrared in Antarctica. You will be the only sign of life on the entire guy. So there's, there you go. You want to talk about the, the judicial system. That's the very tippy top of it all. All right. Um, I have two other things here. Here's a short little read. This is from the Jerusalem Post. A priest says he went to hell and would not wish it on his worst enemy. Well, what, what, what are you doing there, Father? Priest Gerald Johnson said he went to hell after suffering a heart attack and describes the things that he saw in a series of TikTok videos. Priest Gerald Johnson from Michigan claimed to have visited hell after suffering a heart attack and said the experience changed his life forever. What, did you become a priest afterwards? I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, he said. Johnson posted his claims in a series of TikToks and claimed that he was sent to hell in February of 2016 after his heart attack. In one of his more viral videos, which got 3.7 million views, Johnson said that he indeed saw the real hell. Quote, I was there and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I don't care what he did to me. No one deserves that. The priest from Michigan described the moment when he was launched to the center of the earth where he said hell is. Quote, my spirit left my physical body and I thought I was on my way up to heaven, he remembered, though I did so much good during my life and I helped so many people, but even so, I went down to hell. I entered a very center of the earth. The things I saw there were indescribable. It brings up so many difficult feelings when I talk about it. Well, I mean, what what, what chance does, does any of us have if this guy supposedly did so lived a good life and he's still sent to hell. What chance do I have? Seriously, what chance do I have? Um, he says, so what happens in hell? Johnson, a priest of seven years, describes some of the things he witnessed when he went there, including a man walking on all fours like a dog. It's like a pride parade and getting burned from head to toe. He, his eyes were bulging and worse than that. He was wearing chains on his neck. Yeah, this is Christopher Street in June. In, in New York City. This is a pride parade. He was like a hellhound. There was a demon holding the chains. He added that, quote, like telepathically, I knew that the demon was sent in to this, uh, to, uh, sent in, 
this man's life to ride him from the childhood to his death. Um, Johnson explained that the demon knows if he succeeds in making people not serve God and do bad things, he will overpower them in hell where they will be his slaves. Again, why were you there, Mr. Johnson? He continued adding that there is a section of hell where music is played. He heard songs there like Rihanna's Umbrella. Oh, God, get out of here. And Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy in hell. Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy still makes me feel good. I've heard, I mean, obviously it came out like a couple of years after I was born, but it still makes me feel good. It's, uh, what are we talking? Sounds nice, right? No, he said. It's not the original artists who sing the songs. Oh, oh, okay. But a group of demons that use the words to torture us. He added that every word of every song was made to torture you for the fact that you didn't worship God through music while you were on earth. To end, Johnson revealed how he ex- he escaped hell and returned to earth. I was angry with God because I did so much good in my life and ended up in hell. I rose up out of hell and returned to earth. And God spoke to me. He said, you were secretly angry with people who harmed you. Uh, you hoped I would punish them. These are not your people. These are my people. I just want you to focus on the task I give you. If that is what sent him to hell, there is no hope for me. Okay. None, none whatsoever. When people talk about purgatory and things like masturbation, like, do you understand if that's the case, how many thousands, tens of thousands of years I'm gone? I'm gone for tens of thousands of years, my friends. This is, I I don't like, you know what? I hope this guy's crazy. Because it's all over that if it's if he's not crazy, then I'm done. And so are you. So that'll be it. I'll see you in hell. We'll be right back. The show is getting started. Share this far and wide, ladies and gentlemen. Share it. Get all the links out. And we'll talk to you in just a bit. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome 
Welcome to the show. The pre-show is over. This is Quite Frankly. I'm happy that you are here. Give this episode a thumbs up on Rumble, on uh, uh, YouTube. Those are the big ones. If you're going to do anything for us tonight to be a sponsor of the show, sponsor us through social media, like the show. Let's get 1,000 likes on at least baseline on both of them. And uh, and keep cheering each other on to like the, the show because that's how we're going to be able to grow it. If we do this for an entire year, no doubt I will at least pick up 100 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> that's how the slow. That's how slim the pickings are and slow the going is sometimes. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm so good. To, I'm so feeling so good to have you here, and I'm feeling so good to have Jay Gulanello back in the in the the studio. What's going on, Jay? Frank, hold on one second. I'm just giving you a thumbs up and a like over here. Oh, great, yeah, great. See, that's that's a difference. And good. Okay. The difference has been made. <laughs> Glad to be here, Frank. Hey, man. You know, uh, there's a lot going on in the world, and I. Oh, before we get into Davos, I have got to do something here. This is a little pat on the back, not only to you, but to our collaborations on this show and to the audience hanging out with us. This was on Joe Rogan's. Instagram five days ago and here it is new government funded food pyramid <laughs> says lucky charms are healthier than steak I just feel really good when I see something like this uh, Jay because it means that you me all of us over here are doing things months ahead of the biggest shows on earth yeah man it was really interesting actually it's it's still making the rounds you know, he puts it out and then it sort of penetrates and I've been seeing it in other people I follow and I just kind of, I mean, I'm glad to see it. So, you know, don't don't get me wrong, but it is kind of funny. And I thought, wow, Frank's audience is really ahead of the curve. They should see this and go, oh yeah. And it, I also presented this whole study at the retreat that we did last year. So I got messages from people that were at the retreat saying, hey, did you see this on Joe Rogan? And I said, well, if Joe had had me on, he would have been six months ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. You know, man, you're, you're, only, uh, you're only starting your journey out there in the, in the world representing yourself and, and a brand that you're building. So I, I I see big things for you. Well, I I, I, I appreciate that. And I, but again, it, it is so good to see that on such a large platform, right? We have had only one side of the debate, which is not really a debate when you think about it. So it's just nice to see big platforms like that as well start to catch on to things and at least start to have the conversation, raise the questions that need to be raised and have the conversations that need to be had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if, if not there, then we can always rely on our, our good friends over at Davos <laughs> to, to to lay the groundwork yeah. for a healthier a healthier society. Lots of debate over there, I'm sure. I have some clips. I want to. I want to. I mean, it, it has everything to do with healthcare in general. Obviously, you had uh, spent a lot of time inside the hospital systems, and and you know, approach is really that's the whole thing. Are do you have a holistic approach to health, well-being, fixing problems that arise, or? Are we looking at this? Now, here's a panel with Tony Blair on there. And I want to just listen to this for about, I don't know, a minute. This is a minute 46 seconds. In this clip, he, he starts talking about Tony Blair. We are going to have a whole new slew, a slew of new injectables. Digitalization in healthcare is one of the greatest game changers. Now, I don't know why in new types of injectables and digitalization is so important. It almost seems like they go together and there's some kind of a radio link 
That's what I was going to say. It's very strange that those two words would be used in the same sentence. That, constantly. That, that's not how health, That's not how I hear the terminology be thrown around in the actual healthcare field in the hospital. I never heard those two terms used together. So that that sort of makes you kind of wonder what's what's going on. Yeah. Here, <laughs> t- take take a listen to this. I think you won't get the focus you need unless it's clear two things. One, that there is an ongoing challenge, an opportunity. And I think that is not just about COVID. It's about the fact that we are going to have a whole slew of new vaccines, injectables, that are going to deal with some of the the worst diseases in the world that give us the opportunity to make big changes in the the health of the world. When it's all said and done, it was still a pretty remarkable operation. By the way, you know, Seppi did a fantastic job. You guys deserve a lot of congratulations for it. But so I think it's around things like how do you make sure you get the right scientific cooperation and the cooperation <laughs> between the regulatory authorities so in the future you can clear things much faster? For example, on the continent of Africa, if we had an equivalent to the European Medicines Agency, we had an African med- Medicines Agency that allowed you to have one system, one standard, which hugely changed the way that uh, um, vaccines... Yeah, yeah, it hugely changed the way that they paralyzed people. Isn't it unbelievable that he would have the nerve to say that without even qualifying it with we at least need to do better next time he's actually congratulating them on on what on the on the the response of the last three years i mean that is that is detachment from reality but i mean again it's not about healthcare. it's never been about healthcare. i've said that since day one i said that since before i was even originally removed from the hospital i said to my boss at the time this is about mandatory vaccination he looked at me like i was crazy because at that time this thing wasn't even called covid19 no so but you can when you understand the playbook, it's just so, these people are, uh, it's just remedial logic. It's just very, very simple. You understand what they're trying to do. Everything is about control. And as he said, everything is an opportunity. Yes. Isn't that fantastic, Frank? Oh, oh they've been, call- they've been <laughs> calling this an, an, an opportunity zone since, since the beginning. Does anybody care about health care anymore? Actual health care. The problem is that most people who watch this and think that this is all, these are benevolent uh, entities that are sitting up there on stage and any of these round tables, um, they, they, they do, they believe that this is actually, they're putting their minds together to see how they can improve thing for, things for the average person. And it, it gets crazier and crazier and you don't expect anything really nice to come out of these things. Here's another one, a shorter clip, 35 seconds. I think there's a huge impetus now for a national digital infrastructure. Oh, we did Digitization in, in healthcare is, I think, one of the great game changers. You know, we should be helping countries to develop a national digital infrastructure, which they will need with these new vaccines. And then, you know, finally, it, it, it's, it's also about showing people and showing the political leadership that you can make a positive difference to your healthcare system by adopting these measures because they've got, a, they've got an impact beyond any particular disease and or, or, or pandemic. Yeah, yeah, they get an impact, all right. The impact is you now have a collar and a leash on every person. Because what, I don't, I don't understand that. Jay, can you give me some kind of, uh, uh, some organizational insight into, uh, into the digitization of medical records? Now, I, <laughs> obviously, time goes on, people are gonna get, as technology improves, naturally they're going to get away from filing cabinets and folders and they're going to get into computer systems and and you know pos networks and all that stuff um 
So where, what is the, I don't understand why this would go beyond, like, hold on, I have to hear that, that, that comment again, hold on. Need with these new vaccines, countries to develop a national digital infrastructure, which they will need with these new vaccines. Okay, they're going to need new digital infrastructure because these vaccines are going to require a new digital infrastructure. Why? Why would that be? Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I can think of, I mean, and again, and I, I agree with your point, you know, we, we're not trying to say we should be stuck in the Stone Age. The, the problem with all of these things, it sounds fantastic, you know, to be able to carry your your digital medical records with you wherever you go. And that way, if anything does ever happen to you, you know, we can all we all understand the altruistic version of that reality. But but the reality we exist in is quite different. And so it's who's in control of these things is the big problem. And if you notice in the last clip, what did he say? He said, we need to choose, I believe that he said the, the right scientists. I think that that was the actual word that he chose, the right scientists. What does that mean? Mm. What does that mean? You see, this artificial consent is is problematic and uh you know what again if 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 governments are supposed to be at least this government is supposed to be for the people what do the people want do the pe people feel comfortable with this until we have it's like the amnesty question right the the atlantic with the article about we need pandemic amnesty no you don't get amnesty until you admit what you did wrong because i can't trust you anymore right and so again my approach the antithesis of the functional medical approach is this, this one-size-fits-all, top-down model that essentially legislates out any individuality from the doctor's perspective. So doctors have become, I mean, see, if they're not careful, they're going to be turned into or replaced by AI because anybody can do that job if it's just a matter of diagnosing a symptom and giving a drug at a certain milligram dosage. Old-school doctors were a very different breed and they were trained differently. So... You know, doctors better be careful how, how quickly they line up with this program because they're going to be obsolete. They mm. don't understand this. They will be obsolete soon. They should be on our side fighting for their own autonomy to be able to care for the patient in the way they see fit. Yeah. That is incredibly important. And I think most of them who have fallen in line with this don't realize, you know, they're, it's like the old adage, you're feeding the alligator and hoping that it eats you last. Uh, yeah, that's a wonderful way of putting it. That what a wonderful way of putting it. I mean, and then we also have the other things here too. At this point, where you have, uh, while all this is is happening, they've already been given their their permission, because the new paradigm has been set for people. Yeah. And while they're marching forward into all of these new areas, like we were talking about yesterday in the opening about the the revisiting, some people believe that the the uh, the the Joe Biden White House is starting to revisit those old plans for the North American right. Union, yeah. which was uh, probably something that they wanted Hillary Clinton to be doing. Sure. Um, but this, while they're marching out all these new ideas of where we're going to go with with uh, interconnectivity of every person by way of medical records or by way of passports and all that stuff in the background they're trying to slowly land the plane and it absolve themselves of any kind of responsibility for what was going on to even set up this opportunity yeah. for example that Leanna Wen crazy freak oh that doctor the homunculus woman <laughs> she, she I can't see her without hearing that you have labeled her that every time I see her that's what I think of I mean, she she was at, you saw this week her talking about she's pretty much admitting that we have a classification yes, problem. I did see that. And that we have been overcounting COVID. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and and she's coming out and of all the controlled ops that are bringing her on to ask her questions in very diligent ways. Mm, oh, well, where are you getting this from? I thought, well, I mean, I don't know. We were all watching it at, in April or May mm-hmm. of 2020 when New York made the entire, the national infection rate go up 17% just by, and they said it, we are assuming a certain amount. And they're mm-hmm. assuming people had it. Yeah. They're just putting that out there. We know that flu and pneumonia disappeared for a year and a half. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's just they're just running multiple psyops at one time to, to to clean up one thing and introduce the next. And it's uh, well, I mean, you see the data coming out clearer and clearer. And I think what's happening is you're just seeing people get out in front of things that are coming. And and it's it's also no coincidence. I think that. Uh, these committees have been established now with the new House of Representatives. So there's going to be, you know, not that I have any faith in the Republican Party as a whole, but but there are elements of that that are fo- that are forcing functions at this point. And so there's going to be some uh, evidence coming forth, I think, you know, in 2023, let's just say that I think will be shocking to a lot of people who, not your audience, but but a lot of people who really did still think the CDC was some kind of authentic holy grail of public health or that the fda was actually looking out for the best interest of the public those are not that's not the case for either agency and i think you see like with the resignation of the prime minister of new zealand i think you see some of these leaders and these you know these actors on television who play doctors i think you see a lot of them taking steps back and they want to be able to sort of cover themselves because they know what's coming you may not get full disclosure but 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 it's it, you, I can see it already penetrating the public. Even the celebrities that were fully on board are starting to hedge their bets and say, "Well, yeah, we know this or that was you know didn't work, but but I mean we didn't you know but we didn't know at the time. Yeah. The, the, they're wrong about that. Yes, we did know at the time. People were shouting this from the rooftops from as early as I can remember, but the silence was deafening at that point because people were being deplatformed uh, left and right. It's it, yeah yeah and, and then and you want you're talking about the CDC the FDA uh, but what we also learn is that the, the real movers and shakers are the Albert Borlas of the world <laughs> yeah. and you've got to hear this uh, because I know that the last time that you were on we were going to do you were going to present some interesting things about the conventional flu shot mm. well here he is yesterday Albert Borla the CEO of Pfizer talking about how they have started experiments to make one vaccine for both COVID and the flu. And it's going to now the, the flu shot, as I said uh, a few week, a few months ago, when I got all of those very strange emails from CVS. Right. I've had a couple of prescriptions filled there over, you know, uh, over the last couple of, I don't know, five years. I've had like two prescriptions there, usually something like topical or whatever. And, um, but I guess my email is, is in a, a, a list. I've never got an email before, but I did get an email saying that they're looking for people who want to sign up for trials for these new mRNA flu shots, that the, MR, that the flu shots are going mRNA, they're going right. genetic. So I listened to this, and then I would love for you to talk about what you have come to understand about just the conventional shots. And then we can, and then just to even speculate as to what it's going to be like now, what it's going to do to people once it's just, it's just rewriting DNA to act differently. Yeah. I mean, isn't it nice that they actually asked you to be part of an mRNA experiment this time? Yeah. I know this time. (laughs) Yeah. This time. Because, you know, it's part of, it's part of many people's, um, you know, seasonal 
to-dos. Okay, yes. got to go get my flu shot. Sure. And then that's been standard for a lot of people for a long time, but most people won't know that the ingredients have changed completely. I mean, I would say the delivery system has changed. Obviously, the 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 different strains that have come out over the years and we'll get into that. Listen to this Albert Borla you raised it. Yeah. Where are you in developing? Because I know, I think that's what you originally were doing with Biontech. You were yes. developing mRNA for flu. Where yeah. are you on a flu vaccine based on mRNA? Oh, the studies are running. They have completely recruited. We are waiting for cases as they accumulate. means that people have been vaccinated. Placebo, vaccine, and the, the disease, some of them will get disease. And then we are waiting to unblind the data to see what is coming. I think we'll come in the, this year, in 2023. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you can't guarantee a timeline depending on the clinical trials. No, because but your you, best guess, what would you think? Uh, I think uh, by the first half of the year, maybe. First half of the year? Yeah, June, July. Wow. And, and so our, how far? Again, again, every, anything that somebody like me who's untrained in this area knew about vaccines in the past, whether you, you were a believer in their efficient, uh, efficacy or not, was 10 years. 10 years before we're able to roll this thing out and 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 here he is going oh no no we, we, we can't do it that fast okay well when is it coming out june <laughs> you know it, it, so here here it is again there i i mean this is that future framework i believe in action the fact that the mrna makes the base of the, the backbone of the technology and so therefore small alterations don't require the kind of clinical trial which is not which is ridiculous but i think this is what we're i think now this is what we're seeing has, has come to fruition yeah yeah, he has a couple more seconds. Are we away from one vaccine that's both COVID and flu together? First, we need to have a flu. <laughs> and uh, if we have a flu, already we started uh, uh, experiments to combine the two uh, so that we don't lose time again. Uh, I think we'll come more or less all together if it is successful. So there you go. So right now they're just trying to get the mRNA version of the flu shot, and then they're going to do, uh, they're going to combine them like they do with MMR. Uh, now, that's what we are about to be served up. The, the, the public is going to be served up. Jay, what can you tell us about the conventional flu shot? Because a lot of people <clears throat> still line up to get this, and soon they're not going to know that there is a, uh, a brand, new, brand new system being delivered to them. Yeah. So the flu shot data is all over the place in terms of efficacy because it's it's essentially a guess every single year of the new strain. So, but I want to read you a couple of things because I think when you're dealing with this, for some reason, this becomes a very, well, I think we all know just even the word vaccine has become now just hyper political. Uh, it gets very emotional. So I'm just going to read you a couple of things. This is actually the, in, in the CDC's own words. So this is a report uh, where the CDC analyzed last year's flu shot. So that would be October 4th, 2021 to February 12th of 2022. They determined that the flu vaccine did not reduce the risk for outpatient respiratory illness caused by influenza A, and that, uh, which predominated in that season, and was just 16% effective, which the CDC says, quote, is not statistically significant. So it was a complete failure last year, okay? So that's in their own words. Now, if we want to just do a few more, sort of, let's just expand on this a little bit. So there's something called the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. Uh, I'll give you links and your, your audience can click on these things. It's actually very educational. But the flu shot only appeared on there since 2005. Data goes back to 1988 to 2022, the last time I checked. Uh, 2005 was when the flu shot was introduced and it actually is the most injurious vaccine on the on the registry 
Wow. So it has the most injuries. Now, I mean, again, compared to how many are given, but still, that's not how you're supposed to look at it. What do you mean? Wait, wait. What do you mean 2005 was when the flu shot was introduced? It was when it was added into the, oh, to the, the VICP. Got yeah. you. Got yeah. you. Um, and then, as you mentioned, so I wonder if people even know what's in their flu shot. So th this is what I'm going to do is actually publish something on this on my Substack very soon because honestly I, I feel like every other social media platform would probably de-platform me for this but there's something called an excipient list which tells you actually what's in all of these vaccines everyone not just the flu shots well the only thing that's not on there yet is covid because we don't know what's on right in, in those they're still showing up with blank booklets by the way right because there's still emergency use, uh, use authorization so but let's just look at the actual uh the the quadrivalent flu vaccine i just highlighted three things Canine kidney cell proteins. Uh, so a dog? Uh, apparently, yeah. They, they, I guess they have to use this in order to... It's... I, right. Thimerosal, which is a form of mercury. Um, MDCK cell DNA and polysorbate 80. That's just four of the ingredients in the quadrivalent flu shot. So if you're, if you're going to get anything from a doctor, I would have this list handy to at least say, hey, I want to know what's going into my body. The problem with injecting something is that you don't even allow the body a chance to respond appropriately, right? We're not made to have things injected into us. We're meant to take things orally so that our, our, our stomach, our GI tract, our liver has a chance to metabolize these things. So I think it's just prudent to at least understand what you're actually injecting. And then on the other side of this, let me just read you part of what I wrote uh, for this upcoming article. So uh, let's see. So this was about, th this was actually a trial that, that looked at flu shot compared to colostrum, which we were, we were talking about recently. Um, and it found that, uh, let's see. So this was a 2007 paper uh, looking at the efficacy of a two-month treatment with oral colostrum in the prevention of flu compared with the flu shot. Now, when you said colostrum, you talk, we're talking about a, a dairy product. Yeah. Okay. Yeah found that after three months of a follow-up, the number of days with flu was three times higher in the non-colostrum uh, subjects. Part two of the study had a similar protocol with the 65 and older, very high-risk cardiovascular subjects, all of whom had flu shots. So this was like a combination therapy. They found, quote, the incidence of complications and hospitalized uh, and hospital admissions was higher in the group that received only a vaccination compared with the colostrum group. Colostrum, both in healthy subjects and in high-risk cardiovascular patients, is at least three times more effective than vaccination to prevent flu and is very cost-effective. So... As far as now, you over the weekend, you came by we when we hung out a little bit and you, you met with Lauren and you brought by a couple of gifts and uh, and one of those gifts was a small bottle of goat kefir. Yeah. Um, can you explain what that is exactly and how does that match, uh, match up with colostrum as far as because you talk about it's it's immune it's immune boosting qualities as well right so on what level is that what is it and on what level is that with this uh, colostrum in the, in the study they're different definitely uh the the kefir is more of a fermented product you know even more fermented than yogurt uh colostrum is like the first the, the milk within the first 24 hours uh after a after a calf is born right. or or, a, or any mammal I yeah guess. baby too um so, but they both have impact on the gut. So you're talking about, and, and about 80, 70 to 80% of our immune cells are located in the gut. So taking care of your gut is a first line defense for anything. And so it's not really a surprise to me that when you address 
gut health, you're actually improving total immune function. So mm. it's not it's not a surprise to me at all. And and as I've told you, this is just anecdotally. But since I've been consuming goat kefir on a regular basis, uh, essentially, I have. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I mean, I, I have not. The last time I had a cold was December of 2019. Mm. I just haven't been sick. And uh, I mean, it has a profound effect on allergies as well. And, and these are my own experiences, but also the experiences of many people that I know that use these products on a regular basis. Colostrum is a little different. I've only been experimenting with that over the last few months, but um, has, again, a, a, a ton of immune boosting qualities. And these studies are kind of amazing. Uh, there was another study similar to that that combined colostrum with just a simple probiotic and found a similar result. So, I mean, I have all of these in there. You know, I'm going to cite all of the literature if anybody wants to go read these studies themselves um i, I think that you know the important point is just to understand that if you've got a flu shot that's 16 percent effective where the cdc says it's not statistically significant and you have but you also have the risk of the side effects just take a look at some other options for yourself if you're really worried about the flu and you are in a high-risk population then the first thing i would do is look at your lifestyle look at your nutrition look at a few things that you might be able to get on your own I mean, there's no downside that I've ever seen to colostrum and, and some goat kefir. Right. <laughs> but there obviously there is a downside to, to flu vaccine. Yeah, and the, the biggest downside to colostrum and goat kefir is that most people don't know they exist. Right. I, did. right. I, I didn't until recently. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I knew what colostrum was. I didn't know how it could be available and what it would do for the immune system. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's just it. Doesn't it speak to how far we've drifted, though, from, from, right? I mean, once upon a time, you probably couldn't find somebody who didn't know what those products were. And now now we think health is found with Albert Borla, you know, producing these experimental flu COVID vaccine. I mean, to think that you could combine those things. And did he say the combination therapy may be out by June or just the flu? Just the, they want to okay. do the flu first and then they want to combine it. I mean, still, it's just, again, we're, we're, we're suffering from, we talked about this a while back. I wrote about it, the future framework, which says, well, now that we've tested the, I mean, I think Obama himself had said, we've essentially tested this now. We've clinic, you know, clinically tested this on the, on the vast population. And so now the FDA is saying, well, we know it's safe. I mean, this is, this is, um, we're treading into dangerous territory where science itself is being, has been compromised. And I say that with no, I, I'm not happy about that. I just completed a master's degree in science and I'm almost embarrassed for my field. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it actually makes me wonder where I want to go from here because, uh, we're, we're splitting off into two separate societies. One that actually believes in the scientific method and one that believes in something completely different. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a church. Yeah. It's one one is a one is a a, a way of seeing the world. One is a set of tools. Yeah, right. A set of tools, and another one is a really um, scary belief system. And they've got all the trappings of religion, and it's just a, a filthy one. Uh, you know, with the, with those those shots, I had nurse friends. I remember back in. I don't know, we were, we were already out of college because everybody was already working and doing their thing in, in hospitals. And they were saying to me, okay, I said, you know, everybody gets lines up for these flu shots. How effective are you? Now, they didn't have any, they weren't armed with any of the data that you go out and, and you study on a daily basis. But they're saying, they told me, Frank, it, it, I would be surprised if these shots are 50% effective. And, and 
there's such a history of of problems yeah. and bad batches and uh and you know the, the 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 strains are always mutating and they have to update them and and I, I don't know was there ever a time is there any kind of clue or any kind of metrics that could have been compiled on this where there was a shot that was over 60 percent effective on any of these but I mean, by their own seasonal. by their own admission, they're sort of guessing at the at the strains based on epidemiology. So if they did hit it, it would be it would be you know like like a blind archer, <clears throat> you know. So uh, yeah, and I mean I've seen Cochrane reviews in the past. I chose the most recent data I could find because what good is it to go back and you know take a look at 2010 or something like that? But right. but you can certainly do that. The the information is out there and it it varies, but um, it's not to me if you're doing a risk benefit analysis, which any prudent scientist should do, and any person who actually values their health should also do. Um, I, I just, you know, it might sound controversial, but I, I, I don't see a reason, especially if you're going to take other precautions. Now, I always say, if you're the kind of person who says, I don't want to live a healthy lifestyle, I don't want to exercise, I don't want to eat right, I don't, I don't want to touch the earth with my feet, I don't want to get sunshine, I don't want to do any of those things, then maybe you are the, the perfect candidate for these kinds of interventions because that may be the only potential benefit you'll get because you refuse to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. So there are, and, and, and I am such a libertarian at heart that I would say that's why we should not I'm, not, I'm not advocating the elimination of pharmaceutical companies. Continue to do what you do. You can push your, your stuff on all these people because there, there will still be a market. The only problem is they're too greedy. The market will be significantly less if we all knew the truth. Well, you know? I, I, we, we've we discussed the, and we, it's very well known and it needs to become more and more well known about the Rockefeller, uh, the right. Rockefeller influence sure. on, on American medicine. Yeah medical colleges, uh, the American Medical Association, all, all the way right down as I was talking to uh, with Dr. Chloe Carmichael a couple of, about a week ago, right down to the, the white coats, yeah. the, the, the adopting of the white coats. And if you go into the, I, there was this, this wonderful documentary, I think it was, I think it was specifically on cancer, the, 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 the forbidden cures, or I, I forgot what it is, but it goes into all these different small uh, holistic practitioners who had come up with different therapies that were really helping people and were effectively destroyed. Yeah. The uh, you know, character assassination—that's where the the that's where the um, that's where the smear of quack came right. up. Right. So that's uh, essentially when you talk about you being a libertarian and all for informed consent, and uh, there is a there's a space for pharmaceuticals out there, especially in an emergency sense. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, but but as far as a space for someone like you to go out and compete with them, it has already been well over a hundred years now <laughs> that you will they if the if the crosshairs are on you, they're going to destroy you and sure. and tell everybody. Are you really going to listen to this guy over here who thinks you should be drinking goat milk to, to get your cold gone, even though when you break it down the way that you do and you talk about the gut and the immune system and all that stuff, it, it makes a lot better sense than uh, holding out your arm for whatever the lab has created seasonally for something they can never put their finger on in the first place. Well, it's frustrating because not only have, have people lost their curiosity, but the field has lost its curiosity. You know, I mean, they, you're right. Pharmaceuticals have really only been around. I mean, they're, they're the experiment. Yeah. And uh, but but you know, this is where the media gets involved, and and they sort of they sort of portray it as. Uh, 
it was, you know, it was a similar way that we lost touch with, uh, with animal fats as, a, as the base of our diet, which up until about 1911, 99% of the fats we consumed were of animal origin. But what they did to market uh, Crisco, which was the sort of first hydrogenated, you know, lard look, they, essentially they were like, this, this was, this looks like lard. Let's try to, let's try to sell it as lard is essentially what they did. And the way they marketed it is very similar. They, they said, well, this is clean, made in pristine laboratories. And then they sort of juxtaposed that with these dirty animals living on a farm and, and, and people, they actually said, you know, sophisticated women use Crisco. We don't need butter anymore. So, I mean, they're really doing the same kind of thing. Oh, you're going to, you're going to listen to this guy telling you to drink, you know, fermented bacterial fermented goat milk. Yeah. We have this, we have this, all the science behind this, you know, this new technology. So, I mean, buyer beware is what I say, you know, because, um, there's going to be a, there's going to, when the history books are written, there's going to be a right side and a wrong side on this, unfortunately. And, and then, but really, unfortunately, is that the people are the ones that suffer. Yeah. Well, because you wouldn't be able to, there's no amount of money that you can, you can shove in my pocket for me to even lie and say that I think that Albert Borla is, <laughs> is, is having this injected into him. Yeah. No, no way in hell. There was a story about that in the past too, about him trying to visit somewhere and he, they, they caught him. I can't remember who the reporter was and he said it and he said oh no but i was uh, you know i wanted other people to get the va you know the vaccine first I, I wanted to you know and again mr altruistic i wanted i wanted everyone else to have it before i had it you know so yeah. there was a story going around about that when he was trying to cross borders i think it might have been in israel or something but it's very interesting when you wonder about that because you have no way of knowing no, you don't. And I want to remind everybody, in the second half of the show, we are going to be going into your your questions. I already see a couple of questions have come in. You can send those in through Rumble Rants, through the Gold Pills, through, quite frankly, superchat.com. Uh, throw every, anything on out there. Um, you know, in the last couple, of, last couple of minutes here, since we were talking about Davos and that kind of mentality, obviously... From a nutritional standpoint, we know that they want us to be disconnected from all that is good. Um, if where they cannot convince us to get away from things like eggs and butter, they want to make sure that the world economy is so strained that it is just financially unfeasible to be able to procure them in any kind of way that, that you can have them regularly to be healthy. And they're always pushing things like, as you know, bug diets, crickets, grasshoppers, all, all that, um, roach, roach milk, cr crazy shit. What can you tell us about the actual, the actual um, nutrition of of bug diets? They cause they say they say it's just such a, a great source of protein. But what have you found on that? Well, it is a source of protein. Let's let's remove the adjective. Okay. <laughs> and I'll just say that uh, one of the things that I notice about all of those, and I listen to a bit of the Davos stuff, and I've heard a few people talking about meat and synthetic proteins, but I find it interesting that they never they never cite a single piece of evidence. So they have essentially they're making wild claims. I would I would say they were conspiracy theorists <laughs> telling me that 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 a diet that is, you know, what would be replete with you know with bugs and insects and would be nutritionally uh, equal to the diet that we've been consuming throughout human history. So that would be one thing. I don't see a biochemist, a biologist, a nutritionist, a dietitian. I don't see anybody. I see businessmen and women who are looking at this for pure profit because when you synthetically you know, create a food, you own its intellectual property rights and you can't grow it in your backyard. 
right? We even see have seen that with Monsanto's genetically modified seeds. Farmers have been sued out of existence, even for the accidental genetic drift of the genetic seed into their farms. So it's not like they stole the property and were trying to grow it on the side. It literally drifted into their land and Monsanto comes and tests it and says, oh, you have some of our... You have some of our crops growing in your yard and they in, in, in your field and they have sued them out of existence. I had no clue. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So let me just really quickly. So there's a lot of reasons to go. You know, we, we could talk all day long about this, but I just found two really interesting papers. One was published in 2019 that uh, tested insect farms in Madagascar. Don't know why. They just decided to. They were testing them for parasites. So the insects themselves seem to be a vector for parasites. This is what they found. Parasites were detected in 244 of 300 samples examined in, ex uh, in insect farms. Jeez, what's that, 80%? 81.33%. Uh, it, it was a guess. I'm not and, that good at math. No, you're pretty good because I, I don't even know what I would have guessed. <laughs> and then I want to quote here. Parasitological examination suggests that edible insects may be the most important parasite vector for domestic Insecto insectivorous insectivorous animals. I guess those are animals that eat insects. Yeah. So they're they're talking about pets because they weren't even thinking, well, you know, humans would be eating these. But they're saying that's the most important parasite vector. So that's just one reason to be concerned so about if you consuming. Got, if you have a pet turtle or iguana. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Or even, you know, I mean, I guess even I mean dogs are, are, are a pretty good I mean Generally, people do get parasites from their dogs or their cats, and that's because who knows what they eat. Right. So it makes perfect sense. Um, and then you have something called chitin, which is a protein in the exoskeleton, and uh, that seems to be particularly inflammatory. So uh, in this study, they looked at chitin, and it, it can activate a variety of innate uh, immune cells, so things like eosinophils, macrophages, and adaptive immune cells. Uh, T2 lymphocytes, just all kinds of uh, inflammatory immune cells. Um, and what and the kicker of this one, this this was great, is that uh, antibiotics in the environment have actually reduced the number of microbes. So, but bacteria are actually known to degrade chitin. So what they're finding is that children tend to be more susceptible to asthma when they're less exposed to bacteria. That's the hygiene hypothesis. Too clean of an environment. And it's because bacteria may degrade some of this chitin. Now, we possess the enzyme to degrade this as well, but it, it was only ever meant to be incidental. These, were never, these have never been the base of any diet in human history. There are some ancestral tribes that would eat them, you know, as just starvation food. Right. But never, never the base. So then you have to think about the absolute quantities. So you go from eating these incidentally and maybe getting some complete protein because technically it's, a, it's a, an animal and you're getting a, a source of protein. But if you now make this the base of your diet, you're now consuming absolute quantities of, the, of this chitin and other molecules that we were never, I mean, that would overwhelm our enzyme systems guaranteed. In fact, there's something called crab asthma. That, that crops up in, in people who handle crabs a lot because the crab shells have chitin in them. So that dust gets kicked up and there's this epidemic apparently in people who handle crabs. The CDC has even looked into this, <laughs> this crab asthma. So all I can say to the Davos crowd and the World Economic Forum is present me with your evidence because if you go to their website, if you go to the WEF website and you just type in, I did this the other day and typed in eating bugs, the list of articles they've written they are obsessed with this they are obsessed and as far as i can see there's not one bit of research out there of whether this is long-term good for I human love health cooking like 
Well, sorry. <laughs> no, I thought you had a, no, 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 a funny no, clip to go. No, no, no. It's a, it's, it's a clip that's going to support what you're saying yeah. right here. So, so I, mean, that, I mean, I would say go right ahead and play the clip because, I mean, that's the, as far as I know, no one has done any research on this. And it's, again, one of those things where you can't just experiment on the population at large without fully informing them of the risks. I... Um, when you're talking about, okay, well, it's survival food. First person I thought about is Bear Grylls. Sure. Because when we were watching all of Bear Grylls' uh, episodes in like 2005, 6, 7 or there, and he's surviving out, th th that was the kind of thing where we would talk to each other, all right, well, if we were in a, a dense forest area for days and we're kicking over rocks looking for maggots or larvae mm -hmm. or something like that, you think, my life is on the line, eat it. Absolutely. Right. You know, we're in the desert, drink your piss right now. Sure. Whatever. It's not pleasant. No. But the fact that they're taking all of these last ditch resorts and trying to say that this is just the this is the pin this is going to be the pinnacle of human right. nourishment and cuisine. Um, it's again, they want to turn us into the Renfields <laughs> of the world, serving Dracula, yeah. eating the roaches, mm -hmm. and just knowing our new place. Well, Bear Grills, I saw this one clip here. And he was—he's talking to somebody. I, I don't even know who he—who was—who was, who was uh, interviewing him. Like, but he was talking about his his daily or what his preferred nutrition sources are. And he goes into steaks and liver and all that stuff. And the guy that he's t he's talking to he even comes out and says, "Oh, you, you're you're about to piss a lot of people off right now." I want you to listen to what he's saying. And, and the reason why I bring it up is because this is the guy that many of us got to know. Uh, through his eating bugs and yeah. drinking his own pee. Sure. But this is how he knows it's better naturally to live. So I, I just found a, a TikTok video somewhere. Listen to this. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to begin. Come on, play. Looking like massive things of steak and liver. And uh, with honey and a whole bunch of eggs. You can't be having that every night. Steak every night, yeah. Really? Twice a day, yeah. But I don't have a lot of vegetables, a lot of what? fruit. Vegetables. <laughs> I always think, well, listen, I always think if you're a, in nature, you're a broccoli growing in the ground, how do you defend yourself? Yes. You haven't got claws, you haven't got... Right. You know, you have all these things that don't want you to eat it. Defense chemicals. <laughs> I think you may have just made your statement that's going to get you cancelled, Bear. Bear in mind, I was also vegan for a long time. Why? I wrote a book on how I thought it was great, but... My health really tanked. Did it? And um, and I certainly couldn't do 25 pull-ups. <laughs> Most orthodox nutritionists would advocate eating five vegetables a day. I listen to that and it goes in while I go, I question it. <laughs> One word. Mm. Lentils. Terrible. Terrible for you. I used to have... I used to break wind all the time. I haven't broken wind <laughs> in years now. Yeah. You say that like breaking wind's a bad thing. I don't think breaking wind is a great thing, no. I, don't th I think it's a sign your gut's not very happy. If you're I mean, I, I, this is 90 seconds, Jay. He is spot on. I mean, he clearly, either he's educated himself or he's hanging around with the right people. Uh, it's probably both. And what this guy said, you know, this is the whole problem, right? Well, I think conventional nutrition, and that's why you shouldn't listen to conventional nutritionists. You don't have to listen to me, but at least I present you with, with evidence. I come in here, Frank, you know, we don't we do the show off the cuff a lot of what we do back and forth is completely organic but but i make you give me you know a, a rough outline because i 
don't like to be like Neil deGrasse Tyson, just arguing some emotional, opinionated, that's not science. I bring in facts and figures to let people make up their own mind. That I am a slave to the truth and to informed consent. I will present you with the evidence, let you do with it what you will. So clearly he's hanging out with the right people. So I, I, I applaud that. I'm so glad that the, the, the conversation took this twist because <laughs> I, I had that set aside and I had that set aside and then I, I lost it somewhere. But there you go. Steak every day, eggs, a little bit of honey, whatever. And he's like, geez, any, any vegetables? No. And then he brought up defense chemicals and he yeah. brought, oh man, I, I said, mean, Jay's going to love this. It's completely accurate. And, and, and I would say, like last time we were on here, uh, that, that I was here and you showed me the was it a soccer player, rugby player, or somebody that was that was putting basically his his ribeye and his eggs up uh, on Instagram or something, and people were going, "Good luck with your heart attack or whatever." Right? People get viscerally upset about this, and I just very calmly, you know, and I, lately it seems it's interesting. I'm getting a lot of uh, <laughs> the little bit of reach I seem to have left on Instagram because they are just strangling me. But the little bit of reach I get is very emotional. Yeah. And it's never, uh, the other day I posted something about, uh, I think it was about cholesterol, it was about cholesterol. And I put at least five different research papers and two short videos, 20 minute lectures by a cardiologist and a PhD neurologist. Uh, so, you know, I'm citing and I am presenting data to people and the response I get sometimes is just visceral. There's no, there's, there's no logic. There's no, there's not even an, an idea of, you know, I want to have this conversation. It's, it's you're wrong. I know you're wrong and you're just wrong. And that makes me wonder because I don't have a dog in the fight. Trust me. All I want for myself, the people that I work with, friends, family, I want them to live the longest, healthiest lives they can. And so I am telling you the truth as I see it, as I synthesize it, as I understand it, because I read it every single day. So these other people, I feel bad for them because it's the Dunning-Kruger curve. Are you familiar with Dunning-Kruger? Yes. Yeah. You, you just don't know what you don't know. And very often the least informed among us are the most confident in their ideals. And I also add on to the Dunning-Kruger is that they also have the loudest voices for some reason. For some reason. Their, their voices are always most amplified. Right. At least by social media because that's what they want, right? Yeah. That's like you, you, you could be canceled. Why, why would I be canceled? Do you want to talk about the metabolism of saturated fat and how the whole idea that it can clog your arteries like it clogs in a drain is patently absurd? That you don't know anything about f human physiology, biochemistry, metabolism, digestion? You know nothing of that if you think that it's the same as shoving a stick of butter down your sink drain if you think that's the way the body responds to food you are dumb <laughs> i mean i don't know how else to You've say been, it to people and, and they've been made we've been made dumb right because i'll tell you i'm not too many years far removed from that frank i thought the same thing so it's not it's not a, i'm not uh, judging anybody but i i will judge if you're presented with evidence and you lack the curiosity to want to dig further into that topic, even if it's not for your own health, right? right? Hey, maybe I got this wrong. That's exactly what I did. I didn't eat any of the things I eat now, you know, I don't know, well, maybe 10 years ago. I didn't, I had a completely different diet. I had a completely different set of, of, uh, of well, I shouldn't even say understanding. I guess indoctrination is more like it, right? Yeah. And you start to unpeel that onion layer by layer. And then eventually you get to, you arrive at an inescapable truth 
And then for me, it was just like, well, I have a big mouth anyway, so now I'm just going to have to share it with the world. <laughs> you know, I, I got to we let's let's take this into the second half because right there, there's a couple with when we do a little myth busting and we take up sure. people's calls. Uh, I want to maybe bust the myth about cholesterol and the clogged arteries from from saturated fat again. I want and from there, maybe just a little bit of a crash course on blood pressure and salt just again, because. I, um, I, there's a lot of people in my, in my, my life that are on blood pressure medication, um, and they, they're all always avoiding salt, always avoiding salt, but at the same time, they're really packing on the sugar products. And I want, I just want to talk about all this stuff. What are the real troublemakers for our circulatory system? I'm going to give your audience a gift in the second half. Wonderful. All right. And I also want, oh, we got to write this one down too. I want to know whatever the hell you know about activated charcoal. Okay. Do you know anything about it? Only very little. Then maybe we we put that aside for nothing yeah. because I've I've heard some incredible things about activated charcoal and yeah I mean, I mean it just as a medical intervention for uh, all types of gut reactions poisons I mean, everything I would absolutely love to, yeah okay yep. so we'll, we'll we'll set that aside so that we have a little bit more to to do on that but we're gonna take your. Uh, topics and questions on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, share the show. Help me get it out to everyone. I see on on uh, on YouTube alone, we have about 1,200 people who are watching, 600 likes. That means that there's at least 300 of you right now that can just go click and you'd be helping me out in a huge, huge way. It's free. It takes a split second and uh, and there you go. Thank you so much. We will be right back in less, I don't know, two shakes of a lamb's tail. <laughs> don't, don't go anywhere. It's treason, then. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Frank. 
So uh, this will be a nice second half. It's going to be, it's 8.05, so we have plenty of time just to dive into what the audience is bringing up and some other things. These are great nights. These are necessary episodes. Jay, I always tell people, um, I I know we do a lot on this show. We bring on people from all walks of, you know, life and profession and and, uh, uh, education, everything, but... these types of topics are he- so huge in rebuilding a a functional society yeah. because it puts good knowledge, human knowledge, back into the squarely into the hands of individuals. And you know, if you think about all the trial and error of human history, there was a time. If you go back far enough, thousands of years ago, there was a time that somebody. Somebody stumbled upon the first lemon tree, <laughs> plucked the lemon off, and said, "All right, I'm going to taste it, <laughs> and and we're going to see." Everybody we'll, watch out! Yeah, I mean, th- there was a time when somebody said, "I'm going to taste this thing, and just if I die, I love you." And then from there, after knowing, okay, it didn't kill me, and actually tastes quite good. Then from there, you start learning. Where can I, uh, how can I eat it? And what, how does it affect me? And then maybe many, many years later, centuries later, you start, when we start diving into microbiology and, and, and how does this affect us on a cellular level? I mean, you think about the thousands of years of trial and error on everything. The first banana that was stumbled upon. <laughs> you know, um, to think that we are being encouraged to forget how we are the earth the earth is us we are we are one in the same what comes from the earth nourishes us can cure us can help us through one thing or another and and it is also symbiotic and we're being encouraged to abandon those pursuits to abandon so much of those the, of that knowledge that was built up over thousands of years and just trust albert borla <laughs> well you know what you just described is what's missing from modern medicine they discount anecdotal evidence. But what we forget is that anecdotal evidence, again, is the basis for everything. We wouldn't be here without anecdotal evidence, without that first person tasting that food and then not dying. And then they, they, you know, someone says, oh, well, they didn't die. And then they tell somebody else and they tell somebody else. There were no randomized controlled trials at that time. I'm not knocking the scientific method. I'm saying that it, it has to be expanded. And also to understand that truly to do a randomized controlled trial you know you need you would actually need sets of identical twins you would i mean to actually do it correctly it's really not possible so we're still extrapolating to some degree and anecdotal evidence is incredibly powerful anybody who tells you that anecdotal evidence doesn't count doesn't understand the scientific method that is a fact anecdotal evidence matters it's how we generate a hypothesis it's your experience in the world so it matters so the point you make is spot on and it's another failure and maybe it's the hubris of modern medicine but it's another failure of modern medicine yeah yeah especially when you get 
I don't know. A lot of, a lot of anecdotes put, come together becomes right. statistically significant <laughs> sure a, after does. a while. So there's that. And um, and you know, unless you're, if it's an anecdote coming from a human being, it should be worthy of uh, of of experimenting because we're all. You never know. Curiosity, my friend. Just never know. Okay, so let's get through some of these super chats, and then maybe we can even open up the lines this time. Uh, Jenna from South Carolina says, Hey, Frank and Jay had to join late but made it for the second half. Did you talk about circadian rhythms yet? Thanks to you both. <laughs> Love you guys. Um, well, let me just kick this one off by saying you suggested, Jay, that I move my my uh, eating window that was 2 to 10 p.m. over to 9 to 5 or, you know, 8.30, whatever whatever it is, but in the morning time. And when I, when I told you that I was considering doing that, um, because I was just wondering, I, I wanted to see more of a fat met metabolizing effect. I, I just wanted to, because I'm, I'm pretty strict uh, about my schedule. I'm pretty consistent with my working out. I do not have high carb diets and a lot of sugar. I don't do any of that stuff. And I, I make sure that I'm pretty up there with protein and fat. So I'm wondering, what can I be doing better? Should I move this to, to the morning? And, uh, and and you brought up the biggest reason why I should maybe try it out is because I would be more in line with circadian rhythm. So can you explain that um, as a basis, as a, just a basic concept for people. Yeah, I think I, I think we might have touched on it very briefly last time. The concept is called chrononutrition. Uh, really, it just it's just mimicking circadian rhythm. So what what they what they did in several studies that I had written about, where they took the exact same people given the exact same meal just at different times of day, and the physiological response was different. So, so, so that's, that's significant because you're talking about the same food in the same person, but if they eat it at 10 o'clock in the morning, as opposed to 10 o'clock at night, the body has a tendency to store more energy when it's eaten later in the day. Okay. And that would make sense because we are diurnal animals, right? You know, that's our, our, our biology is, is diurnal. So we... And most of the fasting research does tend to point to an earlier eating window being more advantageous uh, when, when you know, juxtaposed against each other. So I would just say, I, I the way I try to do it is when by the time the sun goes down, I sort of shut off my my eating window. So so this time of year, it's it's a little earlier. Yeah. You know, I, I'm rarely ever eat after five o'clock this time of year. And then in the, in the summer, you know, you can certainly expand that a little bit, but you know, it's not just about, well, I just don't want to eat too many calories close to bed. It's not really necessarily about the calories is the way the body is going to utilize those calories. And again, you aren't really moving. So, I mean, you do have, you're starting to, as you break down that food, you're, you're generating electrons and those electrons don't have anywhere to go because they're not being utilized to generate energy. So, um, there's several reasons why I think it's more important to eat earlier in the day. But again, I would say I'd rather have somebody time restricted eating if that's their goal and they want to do that. And they, and, and we, we determine that there's a benefit. I'd rather, if they can't do it, I, I had a job at one point where it was just really impossible for me to eat earlier in the day. So I just did it later. So I'd rather have that than nothing if, if I determine that time-restricted eating is good for that person. Uh, but ideally, earlier in the day is better. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I, I'll tell you, this is my first, starting with Monday, this is my first week where by five o'clock, everything's done. And it was, I'm, I mean, it's fine. Fine for me because I'm already used to, I'm used to just 
keeping everything tightly. Right. But it took a couple of days for me to. Sure. Yeah, know. those hunger hormones, they are trainable, but that also means that you have to untrain them. So they'll tell you you're hungry even if you're really not, but it's because that's when it's used to receiving nutrients. I almost had like a nagging tension headache for like three days. I could see that. Whatever. Anyway, well, there you go, Jenna. Uh, Peter Looking Glass says, there's a large group in Telegram curing Lyme, cancer, MS, HIV, etc. by taking ivermectin to kill unmanaged parasites and bad bacteria <laughs> and getting past their uh, Herxheimer reaction to allow their own bodies healing itself. Any thoughts from Jay? Well, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, uh, so the person you want to look at for that who does a lot of work on this is Dr. Lee Merritt. She, I think she has a whole parasite protocol on her website, I think. I've seen a lot about the parasite, uh, yeah. the, the parasite pill. Yeah, uh, I mean, ivermectin's an antiparasitic and uh, there, there's there's a lot, she has a lot of compelling evidence. I, I wouldn't, I don't have a protocol for that. That's That's definitely not something I've done in the past, but she does and she's... She's got a lot of evidence to back that up. So I would say where there's smoke, there's fire for sure. Well, there you go. I have to I have to look a little bit more into that. I have a lot a lot of material on the parasite theories, and um, that might be good to look into. Yeah, Stostube. Yeah. Stostube says, Frank, and thank you so much, everybody, for the generosity. Frank, always a great night, especially when Jay is in studio as well. Thank you, gents. We absolutely love when Jay is on. Great independent media, always. Thank you. They're great. They're out there in Massachusetts. My home state. Yeah, well, I mean, and you, we, we got to talk about this maybe at the end of, uh, of this little string of questions, but you're all, you're very close of setting the time, the place, and uh, and getting the marketing in line for this year's get-together. Yes, and actually, the, the place and the time are fixed now, finally. They just... Uh, receive my deposit. So uh, the ability to buy tickets is is not yet. We're, we're get, gonna get that up and running soon, but I'll be able to let you know about the dates and the place so you can save the date. Great, and that's gonna be Vermont this year? Yes. Okay, so that's, that'll be fun. Fun, fun, fun. Steak, uh, Stickman Freediver says, hi Frank, finally got through on the tip line. Jay is a great guest. Please thank him for his contributions to the show. Oh. You, you just did. Thank you. I thank him all the time. American Girl Three, Frank and Jay. I have to say, I have to see extended, I have to see extended family soon. Though uh, thoughts on shedding, though they are all repeatedly, me uh, they are all repeatedly medicated. I am not. I all, I already eat well, exercise, get some sun, take colostrum, vitamin C, D, K two, quercetin, NAC. Is there anything else I should be doing? Thanks. You sound invincible. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. Just don't go near any kryptonite, <laughs> but you're fine. No, honestly, I mean, I've been looking into this because it's becoming a real thing, but several of the things you listed are on my list of things that I would recommend to people to, you know, as a prophylactic. So uh, it sounds like you're really upping your game. And, you know, what, what I would add, the only thing I would add to, to that is if you go to my Instagram page, you can look at the zinc protocol in the front, the specific protocol for like acute care. And then you could also maybe add a povidone iodine nasal wash with a neti pot after you get back if you if you want to just be you know extra careful but it's, it sounds like you've got you've done quite a bit of research so yes yes well it, it, it seems like a, a nice line of defense there um does more than i do although now that i do the uh, i have i take two ounces of goat kefir every day and dude is that sour yeah i mean i, I like it because <laughs> I, I i like uh greek yogurt 
and uh, that tang with Greek yogurt is just like times ten. Yes. With the kefir, um, so I, I the first the first day I took it down just like that. But I just been putting it in my morning shakes now. Now that the shake is in the morning. Yeah. Um, Nick in Chicago, Frank, can you ask Jay about nitrates? My CPAP was recalled because the tubing pr uh, produces nitrates. My doctor said that this is the same thing found in grilled meats and deli meat like salami and pepperoni. How big a concern are nitrates related to cancer? Oh, you know, somebody asked me about this the other day, and I, I have to look into it a little bit more because honestly, I, I had one thought about them for a very long time, and then as I'm being honest with myself, I came across some conflicting research. So let's just put that one on pause because i don't i really don't want to speak out of turn okay but i will but i will get you the information because i'm it's on my list of things to reevaluate okay sounds good nick thank you for the uh the topic uh the topic suggestion yeah. because that'll that'll definitely come back around no doubt um Let's see here. Phil's WW, this is a couple hours ago, said, I'm heading to Reawaken America Tour in Nashville today. On the second day of the conference, I'll be wearing my, quite frankly, apocalypse shirt. <laughs> I, and here I am wearing a best apocalypse ever shirt. <laughs> uh, I hope people ask about it. Think I'll get some interest, uh, interested perks. Uh, uh, I'll get some interesting, uh, interested perked. Well, hey, interest peaked. You may, maybe that's what she meant. Uh, hopefully. I'll tell you, I get people writing to me about how Frankly's bump into Frankly's out in the street all over the country, and it makes me feel amazing That's because okay. I have no indication of anybody know who I am over here. Well, not in New York. Not in New York. <laughs> Although I get a couple of calls from New York City from time to time, some upstate, but... Um, you start a world tour, Frank, and, and you're gonna you're gonna have to have uh, bodyguards and. <laughs> that's why I t that's why I told I told um, uh, Rich Barris I said, listen, one day I need your surveying. I need to to, to hire you for your surveying powers, mm. and I need to find out where the biggest center, the biggest collection of viewers of the show really are, so I can put our uh, like a, a a cafe. Yeah. A quite frankly, cafe or something cool right there. How would that be? Make a make the, you know a, an appearance once or twice a year. Do a show from there. And the show is being broadcast, and like old reruns are being broadcast in there. That's right. Oh, and, great! And, and then maybe a live stage. Awesome. Do all types of things. You know, all all that. You can serve your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. okay. Uh, on Rockfin. Let's see here. Uh, Fishhead Montana says, "Does Jay know we're in the center or creation? The center or or the center of, of creation? I don't know. That might be a flat Earth question. I, <laughs> it, it, it might be a flat Earth question. I, I don't know. Or or maybe just sort of creating our own reality, that kind of thing. Like you know, your health. I'm not sure, but I, I would I would agree with the with the sentiment that we are at the center of creation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this is where else are things happening? But right here, right? Yeah, that we know of. Sure. So we got to assume that this is just where things are happening. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of creating your own reality, I have got, and if you ever bump into anybody that is a, you think it would be a really good guest about talking, um, uh, talking not only dream therapy, but lucid dreaming. Huh. I, I had, uh, Albert Taylor, Dr. Albert Taylor that, that came on once and, and he'll be back one day. I, I'm pretty confident, but I would love to talk about human intention, but in in dream states and and what 
lucid dreaming can do for a person to, to just every night go to bed and be in complete control of your dreams. You know, what can that do to you to not go into a dream world that is completely dictated by the random randomness of your subconscious? <laughs> right. And what would that do for you waking up every morning after having spent eight hours in a place where you can do anything? Maybe that speaks to the last uh, super chat about really being the center of creation. Who knows what that would manifest in the in in, in the conscious world? Exactly, and yeah. I'm not I'm not even talking about astral astral projection. Right, right. I'm not talking about leaving the body. Right. OBEs. I'm talking about just being in there and and having control of the drink. That would be That's, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Larkstar. Larkstar says, congrats on the radio. Seems like Sunday stream fans saw Art Bell and you. So damn cool. We will tune in. We will tune in, Frank. Oh, Lark, are you in that area? That tri-state area? Whoa. West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland? That would be... I. I hope I, I want to. That means we can't that. swear, Frank. We're on terrestrial radio. Well, apparently. They <laughs> or have, they're just beeping out every. <laughs> I don't know if they're beeping. God forbid. That's way too much time. So they, they've gotten around it somehow. Maybe it's just that it's three o'clock in the morning. Oh, there you go. They don't care. They don't care. What, what, what do they call that in radio or, or in television? Isn't there like a time? There's a time period that they, after 10 p.m. or something, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, well, I mean, Skinamax was always starting at like 11. Right. There was a name for it, but anyway. The, the Skinamax hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kate, uh, Kate. Safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. That's what it is. That's the term in radio, I think. Is it legal? Uh, is it a legal thing? I don't know. It's just, I think that's a radio thing. But yeah, we'll have to look it up and see. But I think that's it. Safe Thank Harbor. you for tolerating me, everybody out there. <laughs> Tri State. Tri State area. You're deep in the Safe Harbor. That's it. Cat, uh, Cat Sky D says, I'm glad Frank asked that because I've been wondering of our, about our Cheetos and Doritos would be less bad for us if they were made out of ground cricket instead of grains. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. They were talking about using crickets for, for chips. And I think there's actually some products that you should check the back of some of your labels. I've seen people have sent me some pictures, and it's quite alarming because it doesn't show it on the front of the package. So get in the habit for a lot of reasons of reading the ingredients in your food. You know what? Let me ask you something there. Let's just be objective about uh, We know what the why they're delivering us crickets as a good meal for us. Yeah. They, they see us as dogs and, and subhuman. Putting that aside, and let's just be totally objective, a bag of Doritos or a bag of cricket-based uh, 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 chip snacks, what would be actually be cleaner and better for your gut? I know there's the, there's a parasite uh, uh, potential with the crickets, but what the hell is a, a Dorito? I mean, yeah, I'd have to go with the crickets believe it or not i mean this is what we're talking about you know the lesser of two evils here you know I, I mean but but doritos have so many artificial and synthetic ingredients i always err on the side of if the body at least can handle it again like like the chitin the body has an enzyme to break that down so if i if i had to eat just one bag of cricket doritos i could probably deal with it uh yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. Did I just sign myself up for Cricket Doritos? I don't know. Listen, I, I'm not going to. This if, is completely. If they show up in your P.O. box. <laughs> this is completely hypothetical. Okay. This was if somebody sat you down in front of two bags and there's a gun on the table. It's like Clockwork Orange. Uh, yeah, and they're saying, okay, choose. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm going with the crickets, guys. Okay. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. That's it. I, I still like. Uh, somebody saw somebody in the chat room. Oh, if you were going to go for a bag of any of those old you're going to a birthday party and they're putting out some stuff in bowls what what are you going for are you going for the crunchy cheetos are you going for the cheese puffs are you going for the lays and the onion dip
dip? Are you going for the Fritos? I love a good Frito from time to time still. Do they have pork rinds there? Uh, yeah, sure. I want. take pork rinds. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we can get really good pork, like high quality pork rinds, and then, which is what I eat if I'm going to have like a chip. Yeah. That's the way to go. If you had a bowl of, um, if you had a bowl of Hagen dazs would you die right at this point? No, hopefully just the opposite. Hopefully I could handle that because it's it's so rarely ever consumed. If you were to, oh, what's your, okay, let's say, don't give me any of your magical self-made ice cream. <laughs> let's say you're going into a- I'm leaving, Frank. You're going, you're going, <laughs> into, you're going into a CVS. <laughs> you're going into a CVS. It's, it's July 27th. <laughs> It's oh, boy. Yeah, it's We're getting real specific. It's what time is it? We have to get specific. It's, it is 9.15 at night. 9.15, okay. It's a balmy evening. You want, yeah. you know that this is the only place that you can get a little bit of ice cream. You go in there. You open up the, the CVS freezer. There is all of the pints of haagen Which one are you going for? Man, I like a good rum raisin. Really? Okay. Yeah. I never tried it. It's very good. I would try. I would. I, mean, be, I love ice cream. Yeah. I mean, I love all ice cream. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then th that's nice. Can I buy them all? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> nice to know. I thought I thought you were gonna get real stuffy. No. I told I told you, Lauren and I joked before you showed up at the house the other day. We're like, all right, let's throw everything out before he. <laughs> that's judges. why nobody wants to play with me, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Before he judges us. All right. Here is Hugh Jidick. Hugh Jidick uh, says. Hey, Frank, your shows with Jay are always my favorite. My new pendulum says, my new pendulum says you're a good person and that I should send you a donation. Who am I to argue? Wow, Hugh, thank you. Wow. Uh, well, I'm glad that you... Is that like a magic eight ball? I don't know, but thank you for <laughs> thank you to the pendulum. Yeah. But uh, it was good to have you here, and it's always great to have Jay here. Um, what we got to do is we have to get Rob back on a, th on a Thursday night with yes. us. Because your first night here was with Rob, no? No, 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 no. Your first night was a Zoom call. Yes. Second um, night might have been with Rob. Okay. At least we at least did two shows together, I think. Yeah. And hopefully, I haven't. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I have not reached out to him yet. But the plan would be to invite him to the uh, to teach at the retreat this year. I hope Rob shows up for Me that. Me too. Me too. Now, I understand why he probably had to back out of the last one because that's when he was just starting his new job. It was, yeah. So I'm gonna now that everything is set and you know we're gonna start the the, the process of getting the practitioners there and should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Lauren just texted me said Jay would would pick grandma ice cream with fruit in it no I wouldn't Lauren I already made my pick although I think it did have fruit in it <laughs> see? You see? damn it Lauren you gotcha uh, free granny 1776 says Frank love this show is there any nutritional differences between chicken liver and calf's liver hmm yeah you know I have a um I'm not going to be able to recite the nutrients off the top of my head, but yes, there is a difference. Uh, you can, the nutrient database is actually on the USDA's website and it's actually pretty good, but, but there is a nutrient profile difference. Um, I tend to consume more beef liver, um, it has a wider range of nutrients, but yes, the answer to your question is yes, there is a difference in nutrient profile. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll have to do a specific post on that, but, um, yeah. Uh, so, so obviously, chicken liver. Uh, if you don't have beef liver, but chicken liver would be good. But if yeah. you had the t between the two, you would always go for the beef. Yes. Yeah. Ruminant animals tend to be just more nutritious in general because of the way they digest food and their fatty acid composition. So, generally speaking, ruminant animals. So, you know, cows, lamb, sheep. You know, those are uh, buffalo. You know, bison. Those are better than um, fowl. Okay. 
Great. Hugh is back. It says, this question is for Jay. What do you think about supplementing uh, Ayurvedic nootropics and racetom compounds? Uh, is it okay to take supplements while fasting? That's a great question. I batted this around for years. And I, I, I ended up on, I just don't do it. Um, although nootropics depend, I guess it depends on what you're using. Are you using some kind of like a mushroom or something, you know, that that you could probably get away with if you wanted to put that in, in, in your coffee. But in general, supplements, I do not use, uh, because also you're talking about absorption. You know, a lot of them, especially if it's you're talking about a fat-soluble nutrient, you want to have fat when you take it so that it gets absorbed better. Uh, so in general, I would say if you're going to fast, like for instance today, a, a whole... 24-hour fast, uh, I would take no supplements today. It, unless you're talking like a mineral, like magnesium or something, you could certainly do that. I highly recommend salt, but I don't really consider those supplements because those are minerals that you need all the time. Mm -hmm. But supplements, if you're talking like fish oil or anything like that, uh, or even just your, you know, N-acetylcysteine like, or zinc or any of those other things, just take a day off from it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be the end of the world. And uh, a lot of those can, like zinc can upset people if they take it on an empty stomach. So. I just nix the supplements on, on, on fasting days. You know, you were talking about zinc. Uh, let me see if there's any other Rumble rants here. Uh, no, no. Thank you, everybody. On Rumble, you can keep those coming for a little while. It's only 8.30. We have it a, a little while to go. I'm going to jump into Foxhole in a second. But uh, you're talking about zinc. And uh, we did that with our prepping show for flu season a couple of shows ago. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, and you're talking about the, 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 the balancing to that being copper. I read, actually I saw somebody, he was a doctor, that was doing a, I guess, a presentation on health supplements, but he was talking specifically in this one thing about copper. And he said that a copper deficiency is what killed Albert Einstein. And that, um, and that the average turkey out there it was was better equipped than Albert Einstein, and, and uh, who had this this uh, this rupture, this aneurysm, and uh, he bled out in seconds and died at age seventy six because he had a copper deficiency. What does copper do to prevent uh, or, or or to to you know prevent somebody's death through aneurysm? Does it keep like your 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 veins more pliant, uh, pliable, or what is it about copper that would have kept Albert Einstein alive? That's interesting. I'm not sure. I'd have to see exactly what he died of. But but copper is incredibly important uh, in the central nervous system. It's incredibly important for neurotransmitters, uh, angiogenesis. I mean, there's a lot of things that copper is also in um, mobilizing iron. So, I mean, copper is invaluable, and I think a lot of people are copper deficient, but a lot of people are mineral deficient in general because, again, processed foods tend to be void of minerals. They get stripped out in the processing, uh, and our soils aren't as uh, replete with minerals as they once were. So, um, it's a great... I actually, I remember you sent me that presentation. I'll have to look back and see exactly what killed Albert Einstein, and then take a look and sort of reverse engineer how copper could have helped but but there's no doubt absolutely correct copper is is vital in 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 many of the uh central nervous system activities for sure okay so the, we, we have to talk about that when we get yeah. the the einstein thing up because that's uh i i talk i think about that a lot like you know uh oh, oh, hmm. well that, this is more of a physical fitness thing but maybe you you do know i saw somebody say that if you are able to do as far as stroke goes 
if you are able to do 40 push-ups, if you're able to do 40 push-ups, you uh, you have like a 97% less chance of ever having a stroke. Interesting. And I, I, I don't know about that. So I'm just thinking between copper and push-ups, just give me all of them. <laughs> well, you know what's really interesting is uh, that the, the Japanese had a very low saturated fat intake uh, around World War II, and they had a very high incidence of stroke. After World War II, and they sort of, regained their financial footing, their saturated fat uh, consumption greatly increased along with their mean serum cholesterol levels and what dropped was their incidence of stroke. Mm. So again, it's associational data, but I was just reading it recently for a podcast I did last week that really did some biochemistry deep dives on cholesterol and saturated fat. And that was, there's a few other populations that the same exact thing happened after World War II. There were several countries that were sort of financially depleted. And so they were consuming survival foods. Ironically enough, they moved more towards grain-based diets because animal animal-based diets are generally more uh, expensive and for more... Um, countries with a higher GDP. So, but when these countries sort of righted the financial ship and they started increasing their intake of saturated fats, their incidence of, of stroke uh, went down considerably. So see, there's an inverse relationship between saturated fat and stroke. And that's in the literature quite a bit, which is fascinating. See, he, here, here you go. This is the, again, when it comes to cholesterol, when it comes to blood, I, I, I feel like the two biggest things in a person's life that have now become almost mundane is cholesterol management and blood pressure management. And um, and all the things, whether it, obviously with blood pressure, the, the, the cross, the no, 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 <laughs> it'll, it'll, it, that'll kill you is salt. They say sodium, salt. And then with cholesterol, it is, you gotta stay away from the fats, you gotta stay away from those eggs. Uh, oh, at least get rid of the yolk. Uh, you wanna do the egg whites, then fine. So between cholesterol and, and and blood pressure man i really want to i really wanted to to pick this apart with you we should do we, we should literally do an entire first half of a show just on cholesterol because i what i would love to do is explain the history of this i think it would really enlighten people on how we got here because i'll just give you a like the spoiler alert is that basically it we arrived here in a very unscientific way the 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 Reader's Digest version is that in 1955, Dwight D. Eisenhower had a heart attack in office. That was a big deal for the country. The president of the United States had a heart attack, and he, I believe he was actually out of the White House for like almost two weeks. Prior to that, the first, in the medical literature, the first recorded heart attack was 1912. Think about that. Right now, heart disease is the number one killer in this country. But the first heart attack wasn't even recorded in the medical literature until 1912. And when it was recorded, doctors thought, that, that, that it was crazy because they were like, what is, what do you mean? Heart disease, heart attack, this doesn't exist. So in a very short period of time, we have gone from not, you know, zero to 60. So at the time, his, Dwight D. Eisenhower's personal physician was enamored by the work of a researcher scientist called Ansel Keys. And he's the one who essentially created the diet heart hypothesis. And he did so by drawing correlations between saturated fat intake and countries. So countries that had a high saturated fat intake also had a high incidence of heart disease. And he presented this famous graph at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York in 1953 uh, from this paper. And it was this perfect line, perfect correlation. So, but there were a few scientists there that said, hmm, something seems fishy about that. And what they discovered 
was that Ansel Keys actually had access to 22 countries, but he only chose to present the data from six, which made the association look very strong. But a paper was published a few years later that actually showed that correlation was significantly less robust when all the data was included. But by that time, the American public was so obsessed with heart disease that Ansel Keys had the answer. It's saturated fat, which increases cholesterol, which causes heart disease. That's called the diet heart hypothesis. That's how we got here. I mean, we can go into way more detail. It's super, super interesting. It's like a soap opera. Mm. But that started the whole trend of we need to lower our saturated fat intake and we need to replace it with all of these polyunsaturated fats, these vegetable oils. And the American Heart Association essentially helped uh, was 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 essentially created by Procter and Gamble, who were the manufacturer of these oils. Uh, there's a whole long story there, and they uh, they allowed these oils to sort of enter the public consciousness. And now the American Heart Association, which was originally just a few fledgling cardiologists, now with the backing of Procter and Gamble and millions of dollars, became the spokesperson for these oils, Jeez. despite the fact that there was no evidence of benefit on cardiovascular disease. Certainly not all cause mortality. So now you fast forward to dietary guidelines and they're all recommending low fat, low fat, low fat. What I'll tell your audience is that most people are probably completely unaware of this, but in 2015, the Dietary Guidelines Committee removed cholesterol as a nutrient of concern for overconsumption. They removed it in 2015. Does anybody know that? No. I, I know that, <laughs> but nobody else knows that. I had that hanging on my wall in the hospital. That's probably one, another reason I was fired. Get him out of here. <laughs> but, and they also removed the upper limit of, of total fat intake. These are, these are things that people don't realize. I was actually asked, or I actually got the opportunity to speak before the 2020 Dietary Guidelines Committee, but I was in grad school at the time and I couldn't make the flight to, to Texas. But... I realized that it wouldn't have made a difference anyway because a paper in 2022 came out and said that the Dietary Guidelines Committee, 95% of them were compromised with the, the food or the pharmaceutical industry. And since statins, which lower cholesterol, are a $1 trillion industry, you can see why there's not a big rush to eliminate this diet heart hypothesis because it makes the manufacturers of vegetable oils happy because they can keep making these cheap oils. It makes the food industry happy because the oils are so cheap that their foods can be made at a huge profit margin. And the pharmaceutical companies are thrilled because they've got this $1 trillion cash cow in lowering cholesterol, despite the fact that there are no all-cause mortality benefits. Everybody wins except you. Mm. Isn't that always the case? So that's the story in a nutshell of saturated fat and cholesterol. But again, you know, we could really dig into this and I think your audience would find it fascinating. And, and uh, in terms of the blood pressure and salt thing, I'll tell you, if you go to my Substack page, sign up, you can sign up for free. You can support me there if you want, but I do everything for free. I give it to everybody for free. I'm going to, I'm going to publish this weekend, the paper that I wrote, the research paper that I wrote on hypertension fully cited it's got like 15 citations uh we talk about salt restriction and how that doesn't really work except in a very small tiny subset of the population that's very salt sensitive and you would know it's people who blow up immediately when they have any kind of sodium that's a very it's a like a fraction of a percent so the vast majority of people are not salt sensitive uh but sugar hyperinsulinemia this is what drives uh uh elevations in blood pressure. In fact, because sugar is not an essential nutrient, but sodium is, we have a mechanism in place to protect us from too low of a sodium intake. Mm. So the body will actually start to retain sodium when you drop below a certain uh, a certain level of intake. You have to 
consume sodium. Well, that's that's an, that's another episode we're gonna have to do then because, yeah. and I'll I'll make sure that my mother is strapped to a gurney to I'll, watch that one. I'm telling you, the, the the paper that I wrote, technically it's peer reviewed. It was peer reviewed by my professor. Uh, well, one peer review, but it's it's a really good paper uh, because I I break it down in really simple terms, and it's fully cited. So so. Uh, What's the link? It is uh, well. Actually, if you go to well, so if you go to Instagram, you can you can click on my link tree and find my Substack. But just go to perpetualhealth.substack.com. Okay. And I will be releasing it this Saturday or Sunday, the full paper. So uh, it's it's really. I mean, it was it, it spurred a lot of conversation in school, but that was the beauty of it, right? The whole idea is that I was presenting an alternative view, and my pathophysiology professor loved it. He he. He gave me an A. He thought he said, "Hey, you presented the evidence in a in a way that was thought provoking and it's fully cited." So, I just there. I just subscribed to your. Oh well, thank you, Frank. So yeah, go go there. Oh wait, and it's annual. What is this? No, no, Not... you can do you can just do free. Well, can... I'll, I'll I'll do that later. Yeah, yeah. You definitely do, you deserve at least seven dollars a month. I'll do that later. <laughs> right, you can support me now. there, but you can also do it for free. Again, I I the only thing I'm going to do for subscribers <laughs> is probably do some kind of like a I might do like an audio podcast or an audio breakdown of some of the things that I post if people want to have questions answered. But right now, all the work that I put out is totally for free for everybody. So cholesterol conundrums I see there. Are yes. You, so you have not you have not posted the the hypertension thing. No, yet. that's coming out this next this coming weekend perpetual health yep. okay but perpetual. if you want to read about cholesterol that that's another long uh, paper that i wrote on cholesterol that's fully cited too if you want to read that one perpetualhealth.substack.com and that'll be out this weekend mm -hmm. that'll be great let's just jump into some more uh foxhole because now of course there's so many questions coming in we can't take any calls <laughs> sorry i know hey, no no this is why this is why these are amazing we bear i barely i love when you come on too because you're another one of those those guests I don't have to write too much. <laughs> I have a couple of ideas, and I know that they are just going to explode with little offshoots. Um, here we go. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you, C. Blanche. Wonderful donations over there on Pilled.net. That supports the, the network directly. Um, Jay Jules says, my friend recommended charcoal years ago to keep viruses at bay. Uh, Pre-COVID, we take it daily. So we have to talk about activated yeah, charcoal. Yeah. Um, Smokey Yoki says, could you ask Jay to elaborate on mitochondria and CoQ10? Great show <laughs> as a guest as always. Thank you both. You don't want that. <laughs> is, is that another 30 minutes? This is my wheelhouse, man. This is So my talk, uh, it, I'll be speaking at, at the KetoCon conference in Austin, Texas this April. And my whole talk is on the mitochondria and everything in our daily lives that impacted in a negative way and everything that impacted in a positive way. But the long story short is that CoQ10 is an electron chaperone. So the electron transport chain and, and oxidative phosphorylation, that's what generate energy in the mitochondria, which generate energy for the cells, which generate energy for our body. CoQ10 carries those electrons down the electron transport chain and provides the proton pumping power for all the proteins which generate energy. So CoQ10, which is what is also inhibited by a statin. So when you take a statin to block cholesterol synthesis, you're also blocking CoQ10 synthesis, which is why people tend to have muscle aches when they're taking a statin. Wow. Because you are inhibiting the ability of this CoQ10 molecule to transfer electrons down the electron transport chain. I love talking about this. <laughs> I know, I can tell. And, and people oh, love the people love the, people love the passion. I, I don't Okay, so then You want to come over and hang out on a Friday night? This is what we're going to do. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk about mitochondria? <laughs> whoever have, that whoever that person is knows me. They're oh, yeah. my spirit animal. Oh, so they, they probably know. They're probably just uh, trolling us. 
Let's see if we can, uh, uh, you know, just melt away the last 20 minutes of this show. Okay, so then uh, one night, then we, we, have to, we have to at least... Because we could weave statins, and obviously they go well with the cholesterol conversation, and it's all the sort of, yeah, we could do a whole okay. episode on that. And, and since, since so many people are on statins, it would be uh, beneficial for, I think, a lot of people, or if not the audience, maybe uh, uh, mem uh, loved ones of the audience, you know? Yeah. Uh, here's another one I have uh, from Secret Weapon. says, Jay, how do I get chloride levels up? I'm chronically low. Salt. Because salt is sodium chloride. It's actually 60% chloride, 40% sodium. So not not a table salt, but just a good mineral sea salt, like Redmond real salt is what I use, a Celtic sea salt, pink Himalayan salt. Don't be afraid to dose with it and don't be afraid to use it in your cooking. That's the best way to get your your, your chloride levels up. Okay. Um, Boys Blanc, thank you. Jay Jewell says, who first tasted the badger gland to see that it tasted like raspberry? Wasn't Hence, me. Na <laughs> natural rasp flavoring now. Yes, I know. I know. Well, what is that called again? What is the, um, it's it's like this anal gland that they got, It, but with the actual secretion, what is it called? Oh, I can't remember. It has a name like colostrum, like it. And I'm trying to forget. I, I remember uh, first learning that and taking such delight in pointing out, <laughs> po pointing it out to my friends when they would have their, their like their sports drinks yeah. or whatever that has like a, a raspberry, because it's not only raspberry, it's vanilla flavoring. Like it, artificial vanilla flavoring, it comes from the anal gland of beavers. You gotta stay away well, from that natural flavoring. Something you gotta get stay away from it. So I, I, I'd be like, oh, I, I, like actually, my other, my, uh, my buddy Jason, and we were at baseball practice. Well, oh yeah, this comes from a beaver's ass right here. He's like, he's like, oh, well, you, are you fucking kidding me? I said, yeah. I said, no, I'm not kidding you. This is this, that's beaver ass. So congratulations. Um, Probably not as marketable if you put that on the front. Hold on, I have to do this now. Beaver. <laughs> Beaver gland secretion. While you're looking for that, can I just say, Justin from Yes Cacao, thank you. He he sent out a little a little sampler pack for me, and I was testing it against my blood glucose monitor to to see you know what the rise in uh, le levels were. So far, fantastic, Justin. Your chocolate is amazing. You do a great job. Do you do a great service making high quality chocolate? And I will bring the data next time to Frank, and we'll talk about it. But so far, so good with your chocolate and and my blood glucose. It's it's performed very well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm glad that I'm glad. I, I like seeing people link up like this. Um, the the uh, beaver juice, the the ass juice, is called castorium. Oh, wow, you are right, close. Castorium, C-A-S-T-O-R-E-U-M. And I, oh. and I, so beavers use castorium in combination with urine to scent mark their territory. Good Lord. Both beaver sexes have pair of castor sacs and a pair of anal glands located in two cavities under the skin between the, and who even cares? <laughs> between the, it cut off. So castorium. <laughs> and, and it probably has, has a new name now. Yeah. Just like, uh huh. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the corn syrup's got new names. 51 names for sugar, last I checked. 51 names? 51, yeah. I have them on my wall as well. See, my Friday nights are so much fun. See? That's, <laughs> hey, listen, two Friday nights ago, I was watching C SPAN. <laughs> I was I was watching. I probably was too. But but listen, there was there was almost a, a fist fight. There was. That was great. There was. Yeah. I, I was like, that's yes. actual reality television. Like, come on, hit yeah. him. So it's, too, it's too bad. The, too bad that our, our house representatives don't take canes to the oh, to the Capitol anymore. The old days, monocles Look, and canes, just hitting. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, Boys Blanc, thank you. Jay Jewel, thank you. Again, uh, just Josie. Thanks for a great informa informative show. Thank you, Josie. Porpoiseful, Paulie. 
Rook Castle says Niacin uh, with flushing act uh, Niacin with flushing acts better than statin drugs to reduce LDL cholesterol, and statin lower cholesterol on blood work, but do not reduce rate of heart attacks. It's true. And potassium great to uh, great potassium great to lower blood pressure with vitamin E. Yeah, the um, potassium sodium balance is huge. I think the biggest problem here, uh, Jay. And thank you, everybody, with the gold pills. Sure, uh, you, given the time, it's 8.48. No more gold pills uh, because I don't want to be able to miss anybody. But uh, I think that the biggest problem is, is this, Jay. There is a lot. How you address cholesterol, how you address that, how to regulate that, how to regulate blood pressure uh, almost comes secondary to the fights over what causes the irregular the irregular things there so to say vitamin e and and something else brings down blood pressure is 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 great the question is what is keeping the blood pressure high what's keeping people so you know this this output and this 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 pressure building up that you you almost i don't know you're not well, you're, you're talking root cause medicine yeah right because i mean you can you cannot supplement your way out of disease so you're that's what functional medicine is all about is addressing the root cause so i wouldn't and i'll even push back a little bit on whether you even want to lower ldl cholesterol so that that's a whole other can of worms that really made people mad but go read that Go read that article on Substack and tell me that you don't feel a little bit differently about LDL. Do you know LDL is part of the innate immune system? Most people don't know that. Most people just think cholesterol, bad. Mm. Well, I go through in the paper all of the things that it actually does. I go through the rates of the American Heart Association's own data on uh, MI incidence and corresponding LDL levels to show you that there is no correlation. So it's almost non-predictive. It's... We have to re rethink a lot of things, and I'm open to so many different schools of thought, but I, I think we really need to have the conversation. But similar to the COVID narrative, it seems like you can't have that conversation. No. And this, and this predates COVID in a big way. Oh, huh? yeah. Well, this is why COVID was not a surprise to me. This has been going on for decades. This is how science has functioned for decades. People are literally shamed and put in basements. Frank, when I was writing for this film, I, th I might have told this story before, but I'll tell it real quick. I was writing for this film. I was transcribing an interview with a journalist. She said that a, that a researcher who had questioned the narrative about either was saturated fat or cholesterol or something, essentially they, they literally miltoned from office space. They miltoned him. They put him in the basement. And he said to her when she interviewed him, I wish I had never, I wish I had never stuck my head up. That's what they do to anybody. Like if I got into academia, that's why I don't, I won't, I won't go into that world because I would stand up and I would have my head cut off. And that's what they do to those people. That's how they manufacture consent and consensus. Mm. They just cut the heads off of anybody who peeks up and then it, look at that. Everyone agrees. Right. Of course, everyone agrees when you shove them all in the basement. So yep. it's troubling. It is troubling. Um, one, uh, one way Mel says, is there a difference between cooking with iron versus copper? What do, uh, does that mean? The actual pans? Pan? Oh, I don't like know. cast iron? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I use a cast iron pan. Just don't stay away from Teflon. Right. Definitely stay away from Teflon. Uh, but, uh, I, I use cast iron and, uh, I don't know if I've ever, I guess they, I guess they make copper pans. I'm uh, just not familiar. I, 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 what about, what about this, this now this new uh, craze to say that um, open flame cooking gas stoves we got to get rid of them I've well so I spoke with one researcher on this and she said I've never seen any evidence linking gas stoves to asthma or whatever the claim was 
She and so they're just liars. I didn't I didn't look at it at all. So I'm just I'm going on her, and I try I do trust her. But she said it's another it's another BS story. I've never seen any. And so again, just present the evidence, and I'll take a look at it. You know, like 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 the World Economic Forum people. If you want to tell me that synthetic beef is tastes just as good and does all these things, okay, well give me the evidence that it's just as nutritious because I care about human health. So mm. just present the evidence. I'll take a look at it, and then I'll tell you what I think. We're making good time here. We have three more, oh, actually two more. Uh, Jesse Woke says, question for Jay. I've been drinking turmeric and throat coat occasionally. I'm lazy and usually just heat water in the microwave. I understand it's not great for food, but is there any downside to microwaving water? Thank you. Oh, again, tons of controversy there. Some people will say that it changes the structure of the water. Uh, hey, thoughts can change the structure of Well, that's of water. what I mean. That's what I mean. And then there's, so. the, there's something called the fourth phase of water, which is a whole other thing. So the answer is, I don't think we know for sure. I, I couldn't, I don't think anybody could speak on that for sure. But I have a microwave and I use it extremely sparingly. So I would say, just keep a, keep a little saucepan on the, <laughs> on the stove and on a gas stove and, uh, and just, you know, try to, try to just be a little bit more vigilant about that. Just, uh, just, just for the precautionary principle, right. because I just don't know. And, um, and it, ha it does have an impact on food as, as the, as the, um, not the caller, but the texter, uh, said. So I would, I would just, I would just work away from it if you can. I, I I'm very very sparing. Yeah. In the house too, we are. Uh, it's it's very very sparingly we use it. Um, and then selling the farm is the last one here. It's been a while since I had an opportunity to watch live. Jay is a favorite. Keep it going, and I'll be here listening to you on the FM. Wow. Cool. Yeah, and, they, and they're saving the farm is their is their handles. That that's got to mean something. Yeah, but remember selling the farm. I, I'll I'll go put it out there because I, I definitely want to hear from people who have been listening to that as a primary because they are just up at that time. The slot time for, quite frankly, in this West Virginia, Western Maryland, Western Pennsylvania, WHYU 89.1 FM, the slot time seven days a week of all the most recent shows is 3.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm not telling anybody to, to wake up <laughs> that early just to be able to listen to a show that they might have already listened to. But uh, there, there are a lot of early risers up there, yeah. especially if you're working on a farm right. or you're in delivery services or anything. So I would I, I would love to hear from people who um, have heard my voice crackling through the FM out there. Uh, it's the only the only station in the union. That is so cool. That has me uh, as a uh, <clears throat> On there. So I don't know if that's Amish country, but that's a beautiful place to be. That's where all my food comes from. <laughs> I, I, I drove I drove right through that that uh, that tri that very same tri-state area last June when I went on Timcast. I oh, mean, that, right. I, I you know I I got there a little bit early, so I just started driving around a little bit, and um, and I'm telling you, in five minutes, I crossed through, Virgi I crossed through Maryland. West Virginia and Virginia. Wow. Like in five minutes, I was right there at this this oh, try yeah. this try yeah. meeting of the of the state. So huh. I wonder if that is in the same same place because I don't Very know if cool. it was Western Pennsylvania, but that's awesome. Anyway, that's just that's just what we're talking about here. All right. Um, anything else? Uh, we did so much, and I think we did everything we had to do. And we have some notes to start on. We have another great show, ladies and gentlemen, that we're already building up for your next time on here when we're talking about different ways how environment dictates farming. Oh, yeah. 
Um, it, and it actually it is going to be bolstered by an old thread that I have read on the show here for a while now. And uh, I, I think that'll be good. A lot of interesting things. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I don't I'm going to try to put a, a I'm going to try to put a pretty lengthy Substack piece together on that as well, and we can get, giving me the resources that you had sent, and then the resources that I already have. We'll put something pretty comprehensive together. Well, here's one last thing because it's from Massachusetts, and and it's a an urgent an urgent public health release. I just want to put it out there. Okay. It's 8:56. We're almost done. Here's a, a here it is from Mass.gov. Department of Public Health announces first cases. First cases of concerning gonorrhea strain. Oh, dear. Oh, boy. The Department of Public Health today announced it has detected a novel strain of gonorrhea in a Massachusetts resident that showed reduced response to multiple antibiotics and another case with genetic markers that indicate a, a similar drug response. This is the first time that the resistance or reduced response to five classes of antibiotics has been identified in gonorrhea in the United <clears throat> States. Antibiotic resistance is no joke. We overuse these things, and it's becoming highly problematic. So uh, I don't, you know, maybe maybe this is caused by climate change, though. You know what this guy needs? Not only does he need to stop screwing around, <laughs> but he also needs some goat kefir. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have a paper on don't that. Don't make that claim. <laughs> don't make that claim. It does a lot, but uh, that may be pushing the boundaries. Yeah, that might be pushing the boundaries. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm really I'm really happy you're here again, Jay, and happy New Year's to you. And I'm I'm glad that we're we're on this path for another set of twelve months. Yeah. Oh, let me tell people uh, the retreat. It's going to be September twenty first through the twenty fourth. This September 21 through 24 at Wild Trails Farm in Vermont. So that's going to be the location. Uh, we don't have, you can't buy a ticket yet, but just set aside Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, September 21 through 24 at Wild Trails Farm. I think it's Springfield, Vermont. That's, uh, that <clears throat> is going to be uh, a fun time. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. Um, and, you know, your audience is so great. I, I remember when I first came, when I first did the show and, uh, you know, a ton of people started following me on Instagram. Do me a favor, go go follow in other places because I will be more active if people are following me in other places. I, I was talking to you off air and offline that you know you experience this with the YouTube thing where like you get stuck at a at a number and they just don't let you move. They just won't. You just can't budge, right? I put a lot of work like you do into what I do, and so if people start following me other places, I will start putting more content in those places because. I don't care about the numbers. I care about reaching people. When I come on this show, I get to reach people and I hear about lives that are affected. I don't want to spend five hours in a book or in a research paper writing this thing that I think will help people and then have it reach 38 people. You know what I mean? So, I know exactly so, what you mean. So, so go, if, you're, if you're following me on Instagram, make sure you're still following me because some people have said, oh, it, I'm not following you anymore. Make sure you're still following me. And if not, go to the link tree, find me in all the other places, and I will start putting out content in those other places as well because you guys matter to me and it matters that I'm not just, you know, speaking down an empty hallway. So... I, it was great to see that because I, I usually just say Jay Gulanello when I do all of my social media marketing, but it was great to see. I said, you know what? Let me just, just let me just check it out. I was on Twitter today <laughs> and I looked for you on Twitter and there you were. And you just opened up a Twitter account I recently. just opened it up because, I mean, I just considered it another version of the censorship platform. But it seems from what people are telling me that when they started replatforming some of the more controversial figures, I thought, OK, well, I mean, maybe it's something better. I mean, I don't. 
I don't have high hopes or low hopes for Elon Musk. I just care about the platform. And if I can say what I need to say and get my information out there, I will use any and all platforms. Oh, I'm just, glad. Just like you do. So yeah, fo follow me in, on all those places and I will try to be more active and uh, even a Rumble channel to start creating some video content. So. I told you, I, I, I got to get more people like you, uh, not only doing your thing, but to have a secondary a secondary purpose of all the content you may create, like a health minute or a, a yes. presentation, to be able to get that into regular rotation in the, net, in the network, it'd be great. Or even if you, oh, hey, it's Jay Gulanello with your perpetual health minute. Uh, and I can use that as commercial breaks on the seven o'clock show. If I start doing, what, well, I put out a little poll and people wanted the video stuff, so if I start when I start, I can't say if now, uh, when I start doing that, I'll certainly send it to you. You can chop it up and use it to your heart's content. All right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks again for the stopping by everybody. I will see you tomorrow night at seven o'clock. We are closing this one out with not only Marjorie Wildcraft, but a, a second half appearance by Noor Bin Laden and Matt might be in studio too. So it'll be a really, um, a really active and busy Friday evening send off into the weekend. We will talk to you soon. And bye-bye. Uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience. Now our super chatters, Selling the Farm, Jenna, South Carolina, Jesse Woke, Peter Looking Glass, uh, Stostu, Stick Man Freediver, American Girl, Nick in Chicago, and Phil's WW. Thank you to Fishhead Montana on Rockfin, to all of our friends on Foxhole and on Rumble. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you to you all on Theta, on Twitch, on Rumble, YouTube, DLive. You guys have been just tremendous. Uh, until tomorrow, 7 o'clock, become a sponsor, please. It'd be wonderful to have you on. Don't come to my house or else I'll suck. Don't come to my house or else I'll suck your dick and blood. I'll suck your blood. <laughs>